0: All (laughs) All Alright, hello and welcome to this second episode of Yesterday's History. I'm Connor, and I'm joined here with my friend, co-host, and roommate, Jackson Langland. And today we decided, uh, we wanted to thank everybody for all the love and support that you guys gave us in the first episode, and well, we hope that it continues to grow, and without further ado, here's episode two. So, what are we covering today? Today Oh, wait, 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 wait. What's the date first? Today is the 11th of December
1: in the year of our Lord, 2020.
0: Cool. So what are we covering today then? The uh,
1: burning of Cork, Ireland in 1920, which would have happened tonight, between
0: the night over the night of the 11th and 12th of December. So to set the stage for the burning of Cork and why it happened, it's nice to explore... The feelings of the Irish and the British during this time period. <clears throat> yeah, we're gonna dive right into the IRA. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna come off swinging. So, in 1910, uh, Cork was uh, a city that looked no different from any other British city. Uh, they were ro- uh, they were uh, loyal both to the crown and country, and this uh, was exemplified during royal exhibitions when the royal family would show up cork would hang the union jack when there'd be weddings or visits from the royal family <clears throat> and british soldiers at this time were also not alien to the city of cork uh, you could be both patriotic patriotic and loyal while still trying to be an observant english subject and during world war 1 this was also exemplified when over 5000 men from cork volunteered to join up in the what is it the bef yeah the british british expeditionary force or the bef to go fight over in france during the first world war and this changed though very starkly though in 1916 when the irish uprising in dublin is that called the easter uprising uh yes i think it was and possibly fueled by the germans but you know They were just trying to instigate They were trying to
1: start revolutions wherever they could at that time.
0: Yeah. I mean, at this time, I think the Germans were hiding Lenin in their country. No. He was in Austria. No, he was in Switzerland. That's right. He was in Switzerland. He was hiding in Switzerland. Above a sausage factory or near one. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we digress. So during the Irish uprising, uh, feelings and sentiment towards the union with England changed dramatically and the Irish began to see themselves more as an independent nation and their own people rather than subjects of England. So jumping forward from 1916 to 1920, uh, Cork held municipal elections, and the tricolor of Ireland, the green... Orange and white. Yeah, the green, orange, and white. I almost said red. You're Irish, dude. (laughs) I know, there's an Irish flag hanging up downstairs. Um, The tricolor was raised over City Hall for the first time, and this did not sit well with the English. This pretty much made Ireland, or Cork, I guess, a rebel city. They were flying a different flag. And their new mayor, uh, <clears throat> Thomas McCurtain, which if you hear his name said with an Irish accent, it sounds like somebody's saying McCurtain with a mouthful of marbles. It's, it's, it's so hard to understand, a thick Irish accent saying Irish names. It's like almost painful. And McCurtain wasn't just elected as a the mayor of the city. He was also an IRA leader, a uh, brigade leader to be uh, precise. He led the men of the IRA to do raids uh, all over Northern Ireland and in and around Cork. So right after this time period, uh, a guerrilla warfare was raged against the forces of England that were stationed in Ireland and Cork. And the guerrilla warfare was so effective because the British didn't understand how to combat it at the time.
1: Yeah, let's be real. Nobody really understands how to fight guerrillas, even today.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of attack the civilian population, and that's really what the British wound up doing eventually. They would make the people suffer because guerrilla warfare, all you're doing, all that's happening is... People come out from the community. They attack. They destroy. They kill. And then they somehow melt back away into the community. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost as if the community is fighting you. Yeah. Which I, mean, I think it's kind of the point. But yeah, and it's effective. But when you're using the community as a shield to hide bata- behind, it's the community that becomes affected. Yeah, and things get messy really fast. So with. The main uh, forces of the British, uh, the they were called the RIC, the Royal Irish, and I'm going to butcher this because I just can't pronounce it, the Royal Irish Constabulary, they were all forced back into the larger cities, and this gave the IRA almost complete control of the countryside to roam free, transport weapons, uh, communication lines were, uh, would jump from house to house, and people could just wander about freely, and you could be an IRA member, and people would house you willingly because they knew you were one of them, and you were fighting for their cause. So, in response to this, England recruits new RIC, the Royal Irish Constabulary, members, and these guys were called the Black and Tans. These were recruited in England, and they were mainly demobilized ex-servicemen from the First World War, Uh, And they were meant to act as a police force. But when you're sending ex-servicemen over to a quote-unquote separate country, quote-unquote, to act as a police force, they kind of went out of bounds and they acted more as a... uh, Occupying force. Yeah, occupying force is the word I would use. Um... So, the IRA volunteers began to clash with the RIC conscripts all through England, and a crackdown began, and on March 19th through the 20th, the mayor of Cork, uh, McCurtain? Yeah, McCurtain, he was home, and at 1am, there was a knock on his front door, and when his wife answered, five or six police, quote-unquote, again with blacked-out faces, burst into the house, rushed upstairs, and shot McCurtain in front of his wife and children, and then left. And this sent the entire city into a spiral. It it fell to a standstill, especially when your mayor is just shot in his house. Um, so, being legitimate mayor and politician, it's it's hard that it's hard to say that he was a legitimate politician because at the same time, he was also a brigade leader for the IRA. He, so he was a politician during the day and a brigade leader of guerrilla forces at night. Uh, He directed where guerrilla forces would attack or Irish forces would attack, but at the same time be running the city and the municipal government day by day. And this is the only way the English saw that they could, you know, cut the head off the snake. They would, go for the political leaders that they knew of. And, uh, McCurtain was only the first of several mayors to fall victim to this kind of violence in Cork. So Terrence McSweeney in a special election was elected and he becomes the new mayor, but also coincidentally, one of the new IRA leaders. So, because McCurtain was still an IRA leader, violence still raged all through... Eng- uh, Not England, Geez, Well, I guess it is England, isn't it?
1: Depends on who you ask. But yeah, it's, Ireland <laughs> would make more sense. Because if we say English, it means like mainland... Or like the big island of Britain where London and stuff is. So we'll try to keep it. Ireland
0: is... Irish is Ireland. English is England. not Ireland. So violence still raged within Ireland. And I don't actually have the date, but... uh. Over the course of, uh, I would assume, several weeks, because uh, 300 barracks were burned all through Ireland, but...
1: Which is a lot to think about. They had, actually, 300 barracks in Ireland. Ireland's not a big place. It takes you, like, four hours to drive across it the long way.
0: But, like, uh, I don't know, like, what these barracks consisted of, but I guess it doesn't matter because, like, 300 of them were burned. So,
1: I... In short, they didn't take the kill- the uh, murder of Mr. McCurtain, kind of...
0: Uh, Lightly. So, there was, uh... In order to continue to fight these efforts, England appointed a new divisional commander of police, a Lieutenant Colonel Gerald Bryce Ferguson. And in an address to his troops or... Well... Officers or police force. Police force, officially. But in an address to his, uh... New recruits, he was quoted as saying quote, when civilians approach, shout, stop. Should the order not be obeyed, you shoot and shoot with effect. If a person approaches you carrying their hands in their pockets or in any way suspicious looking, shoot them down. You may make mistakes occasionally and innocent people may be shot, but you're bound to get the right person sometimes. End quote. Yeah, that's definitely uh, leaning hard on the must, kill, must stop a thousand innocent people lest one guilty person go free. That's a bit dark. Eh, yeah, but it's okay because there's a redeem, uh, redeeming uh, fact here and that is only a month later while eating at a diner with some of his recruits, uh, this uh, lieutenant colonel was shot and killed by IRA volunteers. Apparently they disagreed with his uh, rules of engagement. <laughs> so, uh... I guess, what was Winston Churchill at this time? Was he, uh... He was something in the government.
1: He was back... You no, know, he was, like, low levels of the government. I actually don't know what he was, because he had been fired from the Admiralty, right? Because of the Gallipoli thing a few years before, about six years yeah, before. Yeah, so he's not part of the Admiralty or...
0: anymore. I think he might have just been a... He might just be, in the, like, a member of Parliament or something. So Winston Churchill advised a formation of a new force in Ireland, and they called this the Auxiliary Division, or, as the Irish called them, the Oxies. The Oxys were ex-NCOs, they were servicemen, but these guys were far more brutal than the uh, RIC or the Black and Tans that England had uh, so far put into uh, service. And so by now, Ireland is being policed by four different English forces. That's the RIC, the Royal Irish Constabulary Force, uh, the Black and Tans, the Oxies and the unforementioned british regular army the british regular army though hasn't been mentioned up to this point because they weren't acting as a occupying force they were more standing back as a reserve force or a reserve position which is what an army should do you shouldn't have to call in the army just to you know police a country but i guess when the whole country is fighting you maybe maybe that's when you got to call the army in <clears throat> yeah, according to Wikipedia,
1: apparently in 1920, Winston Churchill was Secretary of State for
0: War and Air. So so that would make sense why the, uh, uh, the Auxiliary Division was uh, put into force and put into action here. Yeah, because tech- I guess they viewed it as being at war with Revolutionary Ireland.
1: Anyway. <sighs> so no. the... Particular burning of cork took place today in December of 1920.
0: Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're skipping Bloody Sunday? Oh, right. My bad. My bad. Continue. <laughs> sorry, I thought you were done. <laughs> well, Bloody Sunday. Well, uh, Bloody Sunday was roughly about 14 days before the burning of cork. And... No, wasn't those 1960? Oh, right. Bloody Sunday. Sorry. No, I'm thinking of the Easter Revolution. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. These are my notes. This yeah, is my yeah. script. This is your sc- yep, sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so in response to all the guerrilla warfare and all the action going on in Cork, in and around, actually, not just Cork, but all of Ireland, uh, the army and the RIC were now becoming more violent forces and forces to be uh, contended with. Uh, Trying to think of the word here. Uh, The word escapes me. But... Anyway, Bloody Sunday happens in Dublin. Here, IRA members killed or fatally wounded 15 servicemen, and in response, all four services of the British uh, occupying force, so the RIC, the Black and Tans, the Oxies, and the British regular army, all went to a sports stadium called uh, Gaelic Football Stadium. And during a football match, they began to open fire and shoot into a crowd where they fatally wounded... I actually don't have that number. Fatally wounded uh, both players and spectators, though. And this was in the city of Cork itself. And 14 days later, in response to this, Jackson will, well, tell you what happened to the city of Cork. Well,
1: the Irish... The... British went into that particular stadium and shot a bunch of people. But the black and tans and the auxiliaries and such had been list have been basically there been a, a back and forth of the IRA does something and the British uh, respond in a reprisal, or the British do something and the IRA respond to that. Quick list in, in addition to the murder of Mr. McCurtain, or Mayor Lord Mayor of Cork, Thomas McCurtain. Uh, there was a burning of, of uh, about fifty homes and businesses in the village of balbergen in response to an IRA ambush. Uh, there was a burning of a different different village as a result of an IRA ambush, where actually some British people were killed. Um, and all of these events actually took place in 1920. So there's been a pretty big drum, pretty quick drumbeat of like the IRA that does something, the British responding and burn a village or something. So tensions are not. Uh, easy right now people they're at each other's throats basically it's a back and forth yeah it's definitely a back and forth and tensions are high so it's basically it seems that the um, burning of cork was more of an escalation of stuff that already been happening just on a larger scale Mm -hmm. so basically the episode of cork begins with a contingent of ira people seven guys ambushing an auxiliary patrol outside their victoria barracks on the outskirts of cork the plan was to halt, halt the patrol of two trucks at a place called Dillon's Cross, using an IRA member dressed as an off-duty British officer to flag down the trucks, get them to stop, and when they would halt, the IRA would jump out and attack the trucks, and with the intent to capture or kill one Captain James Kelly of the British Army Intelligence Corps. Through the IRA intelligence had figured out that he was gonna, he was on that particular patrol, and they wanted him. According to the British report, at 8 p.m., two trucks left the barracks and halted for the IRA man um, as planned. The other five or, five or six IRA guys attacked the trucks and the 26 occupants with grenades and revolvers, wounding 12 of the oxies, one of whom succumbed to his wounds shortly thereafter. Uh, the IRA group then made its escape as the remaining auxiliaries took cover in the nearby of Sullivan's pub and called for an ambulance and backup from Victoria Barracks. Now really interesting, an odd aside here, uh, according to Wikipedia, there is a apparently they they yeah, they. Got everyone in the pub, searched everyone, made them all like lay down and like kind of like detain them. And apparently, they stripped one guy naked and made him stand in the street and sing "God Save the King" until he collapsed. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it's a, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird thing to do when you're being. It's shut a power, up. it's a power trip. It's a weird thing, to, also thing to think of when you've just been ambushed. But you know, that wasn't there. Uh, this ambush really annoyed the rest of the auxiliaries and black and tans back at Victoria Barracks. Uh, This and an earlier ambush about two weeks before in Kilmichael on the 20th of November uh, that had killed 17 auxiliaries caused Victoria Barracks group to basically boil over. They mustered and sought revenge on the town of Cork. At 930, this party departs for Dillon's Cross where they they corralled the civilians into the street and set uh, the buildings they were in on fire. Uh, seven total were burned, except one that the soldiers discovered was owned by a Protestant, and they quickly extinguished that fire. So they, yeah, they, the whole Catholic-Protestant thing shows up again. <clears throat> uh, from Dillon's Cross, they then moved into Cork itself and began driving around, firing at random citizens as they rushed home to make their 10 o'clock curfew. At one point, a tram was halted, and the occupants were for- forced out and searched and detained, and apparently they were beaten up, beaten up pretty good. Like, just random civilians, women, children people coming home from a long day at work. Normal people. Another tram car was set on fire in another part of the city. Um, Doesn't say if there was people in it or not. I imagine there weren't people in it. This actually wasn't terrible. It was violent, but not as violent as it could have been. Witnesses reported seeing groups of blacks and black and tans firing into the air for some 20 minutes near McCurtain Street. Uh, In the city center, groups of men in uniforms and some not in uniforms and some partially dressed in uniforms were seen running around, smashing windows, firing their weapons, and setting buildings on fire. There was also reports of them people hearing explosions specifically at the uh, Munster Arcade where it was said that soldiers threw a bomb into its ground floor. Well, I do like how, I do like how everything in this period is called a bomb just any kind of explosive whether it's a hand grenade, a mine, a stick of dynamite. It I'm makes more, it really hard to figure out what they're actually doing.
0: I'm more upset about that arcade than anything in this, but uh I'm For- just, fortunately nah. it's not that kind of arcade. Well, yeah, I can dream, can't I?
1: I do too. I I prefer to
0: think of them as that kind of arcade. Yes, take your drink of beer. Yes, <laughs> you you sound parched. You can slow down. Anyway,
1: the cork fire brigade was called. You know, as you would, shortly before ten o'clock. Oh,
0: it was only called just now.
1: No, no, no shortly before ten o'clock. Basically, right after. Um, they left Dillon's Cross, so basically they was called to deal with the um, fires at Dillon's Cross.
0: And I bet these uh, firemen are gonna come real quick and put out all the fires.
1: No, they don't even make it there because they get to the fact because uh, the, all the all the soldiers are already in the center of Cork burning stuff down. So they're driving there. See so a department store on fire, a place called Grant's Department Store, and those already in flames. They're so like, uh, I guess this needs to be put out at some point because there's a lot more buildings nearby here, and this is a way bigger building than the house fires we were just called to. Um, so they they then call Victoria Barracks and ask if they would send their fire brigade out to you know help out with this, but um, not terribly surprisingly, Victoria Barracks never got back to them.
0: Well, I wonder why. Yeah, right? because maybe they were full of uh,
1: <clears throat> auxies, people who weren't too inclined to help out with the burning of cork. I feel bad for the fire brigade because they just like wake up and walk outside to a fire call and see the whole city on fire, people shooting at stuff, yeah. people running around with like cans of gas and whatnot. I'd be like. <laughs> Where do you even start if you're a fire, if you're like a 1920s fire brigade?
0: Well, technically, if you're a 1920s fire brigade, your first protocol is go and grab a beer at the pub, and then you put out the fire. I mean, at this point, that's kind of seems. I don't know what else you would do because there's
1: not I mean, there's not a lot to be done. Basically, the fire um, brigade superintendent and Alfred Hudson fought fought what fires he could, but knew right away they're like they weren't going to get to you. Fighting, they're happened. just
0: fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, oh, yeah, point.
1: they're trying to stop the majorly important stuff from burning down and and trying to save, like, people, like, there's people in houses, they'll try to go get them, but they're like, most of this stuff is probably just going to burn. Um, Plus, it wasn't helped that um, he he was found by a Cork Examiner reporter, and he had said that all the fires were being deliberately started by incendiary bombs, and in several cases he'd, cases, he'd seen soldiers pouring cans of petrol into buildings and setting them alight. So as a firefighter, you're really fighting an uphill battle at that point when people are deliberately setting stuff on fire. Firefighters also told of soldiers actively impeding their efforts to control the blazes with everything from intimidation, they would cut the, fu- the water hoses, and the, or drive drive like, trucks over them to, to break stuff, and, and then just straight up shooting at the firemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Ellis, the reporter, even encountered a group of firemen who were literally pinned down by gunfire from the soldiers as they were trying to, like, stop... Wait, uh, wait, wait.
0: The firemen were pinned down?
1: Yeah. The, yeah, the firemen were just, like, stuck I don't know, behind a wall or an alley going, like, yeah, we can't go out there to fight this fire we're being shot at. I don't know how uh, Alan Ellis found them, but apparently they... they, they would, yeah, The firefighters were not going to not gonna win this one, especially against the fires and bullets. Um, at around... 4 a.m. there was a large explosion and both city hall and carnegie library began burning which resulted Wait, is
0: is this the, the carnegie the carnegie like there's multiple carnegie halls or carnegie but like libraries. so he had like his own library there too
1: Carnegie was named a huge after him? Philanthropist, he spent a lot of his fortune. He was one of like the people who made all that money with like the railroads and oil, and whatnot not to spend all of his money on like you know like Carnegie Hall in New York. Carnegie, like there's, I think there's like an art school named after him too. He he spent most of his money on like philanthropic pursuits, which is why there's a Carnegie uh, Library in Cork. Was a Carnegie <laughs> Library in Cork. Yes. Keyword was. Yeah. Anyway, when those two burned down, and it was suspected that um, the soldiers set a bomb in the, the city hall. Because it was a large explosion, uh, there was a loss of many of Cork's public records. Because when you burn down City Hall, anything that has to do with like you know public, you know like uh, deeds, licensings, all that stuff t- kind of goes up with it. Uh, soldiers shot at the firefighters who who arrived to try to p- control the fires at City Hall and Carnegie Library. It also refused them access to water. And there's a there's pictures of Carnegie Hall. It's right on the water, like it's the street that goes in front of it is right on the water. There's not a whole lot, uh, like so restricting. There's water right there to be used. Um, the last act of arson supposedly took place at 6 a.m. when a group of policemen looted and burned Murphy's Brothers' clothes shop. So that's kind of unfortunate. For those well, two. you know,
0: it's just kind of like the burning and looting and uh, you know, all the riots that we had recently where uh, all the small business owners kind of got screwed over too. But I'm not going to bring this into uh, modern times because that's for a different podcast. Yeah, see? Keeping it
1: classy. Anyway, there was also a shooting that took place uh, during this night because the police, the the, the black and tans and the aux- auxiliaries were pursuing the people who had ambushed them at Dillon's Cross, and two of the men from the I.R.A. group, the ambushers, fled to a farmhouse nearby in Dublin Hill. The farmhouse was owned by the Delaney family, and brothers Cornelius and Jeremiah Delaney were both members of the Cork IRA Brigade, or brigades. Apparently there were multiple Cork IRA Brigades. Uh, the two fleeing ambushers stopped at the farm to drop some, uh, or hide some hand grenades so they wouldn't be caught with evidence on them, and then continued running. Uh, at around 2 a.m., about eight armed men entered the house. Basically, they burst inside, and they ran upstairs to the bedroom of the uh, Jeremiah and Cornelius and asked them... the Asked them who they were, and Jeremiah Cornelius stood up, said, like, said their names, and then they were immediately shot.
0: <laughs> wow. Sounds uh having deja vu right now.
1: Yeah, right. They were immediately shot, kind of like uh, Mr. McCurtain. When the brothers... Uh, well, Jeremiah died immediately, and Cornelius passed a week later. Also, an elderly relative named William Dunley was also badly wounded uh, by this stray gunfire.
0: So, after the burning of Cork, or the morning after... 40 businesses and over 300 residential properties have been destroyed, which was over five acres of the entire city. More than thir- three million pounds in Dan- oh, Why would you do that in pounds? God damn it. Give
1: it to me in dollars. I wasn't going to convert that. And besides, I, didn't, I also couldn't find a little pound sign. I don't know what that symbol is on the keyboard. But <laughs> also that three million pounds is three million pounds in 1920s money. And I did the conversion on that. That's about 135 million pounds today, and the pound today is roughly let's say 1.7 to one dollars. So that's near. So in dollars, double that 135 million basically, and that's about how much damage they did.
0: So the value of all the looted property is not known, well, because most of the property was probably either burned or lost, and the soldiers who looted and stole it had no inclination to claim it or admit to claiming it from burning of a civilian city. <clears throat> uh, there was also over 2000 people left homeless and jobless and the death toll came down to one auxiliary and two IRA members, which is honestly surprising With all the commotion and and, the chaos going on.
1: Yeah, and uh, both those people, like, the auxiliary member, or the auxiliary man was killed in the ambush at Dylan's Cross. He later died of his wounds. And the two IRA members were the two, were Jeremiah and Cornelius, who were shot in their bedroom. And there was also, apparently, a woman who died of a heart attack when... um, British soldiers burst into her house that doesn't count that doesn't count that doesn't count well she that's like if, if have, she dies she counts but that that also seems to come up a lot in stories from the Sarah people seem to die of heart attacks from fright and I don't know if that's a real thing or not but if it is <laughs> it's gone away because you never hear about it
0: anymore So on December 15th the truck that was carrying the body of the auxiliary man to his funeral stopped and the auxiliary commander shot and killed a priest Thomas Magner. I'm uh, i not I even sure I've... And Togged ta- o- uh, Yeah, O'Crowley, I don't know if that's a
1: typo in Wikipedia or what, but we'll go with O'Crowley.
0: Togged O'Crowley, who were helping a third man repair his car. A court-martial found the commander guilty, but also to be insane. That's... Yeah, that's what they said. He
1: also it was apparently quoted that he had been drinking steadily since his friend, the person they were going to the funeral for, had died. So he was probably super, like quite intoxicated and um, if the insanity like um, ruling is, is to be believed because it was 1920 insanity wasn't super well understood um, yeah he was definitely not in a stable place to be wielding firearms and angry um, in the aftermath the Bishop of Cork condemned the arson but blamed the IRA for prompting it with the ambush uh, that did not go over well with the rest of the city they did disagreed pretty much straight up with that uh in britain uh, chief secretary for ireland sir hammer greenwood they do have just the best names in britain like all these like like sir hammer greenwood you never come across that in other places and it's awesome but i know
0: i feel like a greenwood here in the u.s would be a fat wisconsin man eating cheese curds but that's not a personal attack on anybody that i know from wisconsin or anything i respect all of you guys and i love all of you guys thank you for listening to us you guys are the best. Continue now. That was a really shitty save. but Nobody's going to listen to us after this. Anyway, um, the,
1: uh, Sir Greenwood said the houses at Dillon's Cross were burned because bombs were being thrown from them at the police. So they had to burn the houses down to stop the bombs
0: from being thrown at them. Ah, because that makes sense. Ah, oh, a bomb came from that building. Burn it down. And to be honest, they knew what grenades were at this point. They'd Come on, just... Lenny, Let us get into the house. Let us burn it down. We don't need it. Also, my Irish accent... These impressions. I'm just gonna forewarn everybody. Any impression I ever give, pretty sure it's gonna be a fallback on an Irish and/or English accent. <laughs> so just forewarning you for any future content. Oh, that's a uh,
1: good to know. It also they know it. They knew what grenades were at this point. They had just finished the First
0: World War. Why does everybody just say bombs? Because you know, it's a obnoxious. bomb is a grenade. A grenade is a bomb. It's an explosive thing. It's a bomb. Yeah, but 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 bomb is like a like
1: a like a like a like a so if you're talking about, like, birds, and you keep saying a bird flew at the window, and they're not saying, like, what kind of bird. Because Yeah, exactly, because the, the the there's, no there's, the there's no difference. There's no difference. The type of bomb matters.
0: The type of bird that hit your window doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, but, like, if they're throwing Molotovs or grenades, those are very different things.
0: Molotovs imply they're made in your home by yourself. You don't just make grenades how, in your how, basement. How is, it, okay. how is it any different than you just throwing a Molotov cocktail than you throwing a grenade? How are they both not just explosive devices that are considered bombs? Well, technically, one's an incendiary. It doesn't really explode. And the
1: other one is a fragmentation device that is far more deadly. The point is they're being unspecific and they damn well don't need to be because they know what they're talking about. But they just
0: th- fought the first world war. They also don't need to be just being like, all right, they threw a, a M42 grenade at me here. And then they threw a, a 32 Molotov cocktails at a window here. They could just say bomb. And
1: yeah, just- but throwing grenades and like... There different kinds of explosives do different things and it means different stuff so when they say bombs but, but it problem, doesn't because they're just exploding in this you could think of an alarm clock duct taped to a stick of dynamite or you could have like a sophisticated like explosive it it bugs me that they always just say bombs <laughs> i read it in like a po- in dan khan's podcast at one point they have their, a soldier is quoted saying an aerial torpedo flew overhead
0: do you know how inane that is an aer- what is an aerial torpedo that doesn't make any sense also probably shouldn't mention other people's podcasts on here why? I don't know. Probably shouldn't. There's probably some legal well, I'm ra- repercussions.
1: Pla- I'm not just going to plagiarize it. I mean, there's probably some like, legal
0: repercussions. We don't have enough listeners
1: yet for that. I think I think we'll be good. Okay. Anyway, sorry. That's just bombs. Anyway, they thought bombs were being thrown from the houses. That's why they had to be burned down. <sighs> um, When this same uh, Sir Greenwood was asked about firefighters being intact and impeded by soldiers, he said... Every available policeman and soldier in Cork was turned out at once, and without their assistance, the fire brigade could not have gone through the crowds and did the work they tried to do. So he said the police and soldiers helped the fire brigade. House of Commons determined that a military inquiry would produce the most impartial results and set uh, aforementioned General Peter Strickland to the task. He produced what would be called the Strickland Report, which was actually fairly impartial, surprisingly enough. It blamed the auxiliaries of K Company, the unit stationed at Victoria Barracks, for burning Cork in a reprisal for the ambush at Dillon's Cross, so just pretty much straight up what happened, and the government decided that wasn't uh, good to publish, so they did not release that document.
0: Hmm. It's almost <laughs> kind of like the, uh, uh, what do you call it? What was the investigation into JFK shooting? Uh, what was the oh, huge, uh...
1: Oh, I know the name of that. It's the, um...
0: Something... Uh, God damn it! Oh, it's something... It's the something report. Oh, man, that's gonna bug me. Well, unfortunately, we don't have enough time on this podcast for that. Yeah, we do. Hang on. <laughs> no, we do not. I, I understand we have our computers at our disposal right now, but, like, we also have, like, time crunches we gotta do.
1: Warren Commission.
0: Damn it, the Warren Commission.
1: kind of like the I Warren knew, Commission. Anyway, I kind of like the Warren Commission, except when the, the government just straight up disagreed with it and said, we're not gonna show this. Anyway, um... The, uh... Charles Schultz, the K Company man who organized the, like, mustered all the people to go burn stuff down at, uh, uh, right after the ambush at Dylan's Cross, he wrote to his girlfriend after the, uh, burning, saying it was sweet revenge, and then he wrote to his mother telling her that, quote, many had witnessed scenes in France and Flanders say that nothing they had experienced was comparable with the punishment meted out in Cork. I feel like that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I... But maybe it's true but it seems like very way too few people died for it to compare to flanders at least they didn't have mud at
0: flan or er, cork yeah mud in flanders no no mud in cork yes so i'm not going to compare apples to oranges here yeah
1: so. um k company was promptly rotated out of cork and moved to dunman way where they began wearing burnt corks Ooh. on their caps to you know not so subtly let people know that they just burned down the city center of a major place and that probably, and they are also because of what they did. They were uh, disbanded at the end of March 1921, about two or three months later, because of the the arson and looting. That they were just not a good, bad batch of apples. to Them. Um, there has been speculation since then that the burning had been premeditated, and that the Dillon's Cross ambush, what like they had, people had planned to burn down Cork before the Dylan's Cross ambush actually took place. And their evidence was that. Um, the speed at which incendiary, such as like uh, bombs and petrol and whatnot, were brought from Victoria Barracks to the city center was a bit suspicious. And the fact that uh, there seemed to be some sort of degree of organization in the uh, burning of businesses and homes, because some of the citizens and IRA members reported seeing groups of men led by officers pointing out and selecting buildings to be burned, and also I- or, um, British officers. Diverting groups of uh blackened pans and auxiliaries away from other buildings with quotes of like, oh no, don't don't burn that down. A loyalist lives there, or a loyalist owns this like mm-hmm. pastry shop or something. That's all speculation. It's possibly I mean, it seems it might have been kind of premeditated out and they maybe just the ambush spurred it, like, oh, well, might as well do this now, we have an excuse. Or they were just really upset about the ambush and decided to go burn stuff down. And military bases tend to have a lot of flammable things on hand so
0: i don't think it was very premeditated it seems more just of you know retaliation like this is just something that they they felt they were personally attacked they were they were personally attacked they were personally victimized and the english forces had to find a way to let off all this steam and the killing of those of that uh what was it the um the jeez the two brothers? The two... No, not the two brothers. It was the, the killing of the, the auxiliaries in the, oh, the ambush. Oh, the, the, the kill Michael. No, the, the the ambush. The ambush seemed like a perfect uh, perfect reason and logic in the minds of the English forces to go and take all their revenge out on the city. So, yeah. I just don't think any of it was premeditated. Except for, you know, the ambushes and the actual premeditated killings and whatnot. But I just believe that, you know, I don't think the uh, IRC, the British Army... RIC. RIC. Yeah, yeah. RIC. And the British Army and all those other British forces. I don't think it was premeditated in Cork. I think it was more just, let's go blow off some steam. They've been attacking us for so long. They didn't have any way to figure out or distinguish, you know, a citizen from a guerrilla force and this was just their way of, you know, there's a fox in the hen house, burn down the hen house.
1: Pretty solid way to get them, in theory. I also think that, like, there's, they would have known, like, which, who was, like, a loyalist and who wasn't. because they had the counterintelligence or counterinsurgency division there. Their job is to figure out who's, who's a loyalist and who isn't. So it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for them to kind of already know who's who. So, like, when they're like, starting to burn stuff down, they would, that wouldn't take a whole lot of premeditation to just, like, or any to be like, Oh, grab the list of people who we know we don't want to shoot our people or like burn down our people's stuff.
0: But all right. Well, yeah. So that is the burning of Cork happened hundred and mm, happened actually exactly a hundred years ago. Is it a hundred years ago? 2020? Oh my God. Yeah. hundred years ago today, the burning of the city of Cork. Thanks for listening, gentlemen and ladies and all other unspecified genders. Have a good evening and uh, enjoy your weekend. We hope you're all staying safe out there. Any final words? Nope, that's about it.